0: Great people are ordinary people who give themselves to something greater than themselves. They give their lives to something greater than themselves. If you think about any person that you would say, man, that's a great person. They're just ordinary people who gave themselves, devoted and committed themselves to something greater than themselves. And I look around this room and and the, the influence, the impact that so many people have had just by giving yourself to something greater than yourself. And that's to to the Lord's church. Not to me, not to any leader at Novation, but to His church. And that makes ordinary people become great people doing great things that maybe the world will never say, wow, look at that. Who cares? The Lord says, that's my people right there. Devotion and commitment are really the, the fabric that holds our lives together it's the fabric that holds a marriage together devotion and commitment friendships family and a church it's devotion and commitment not to to people but to the Lord because the Lord is utterly and ultimately committed to you and I he is devoted to us And if you ever doubt whether the Lord is committed to you look at the cross it just takes it all away. He laid down his life in devotion and com- commitment to us for our salvation. And f- for that, we're grateful. So, looking to him to see how he wants us to live, what does he want us to be devoted and committed to in reflecting him and, and who he is? So, we're in a, a series called Living by Faith. We've been doing this for the new year where felt led to, <clears throat> excuse me, felt led to. Just kind of kickstart our faith in this new year, because God's got something fresh. He's got something new for us as individuals and our calling as a as a church community. Our church's vision from day one has been to be a modern expression of the early church. When you read in Acts about the early church, we that's our whole goal is to be what the early church modeled. They were disciples who made disciples who made disciples and it just multiply multiply and that is our goal as a church family is to be followers of jesus as imperfect as we are but you get up and you keep following jesus you keep and then you make disciples who will multiply and make disciples jesus takes responsibility for building the church People don't build the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. But he did tell the church to go into all the world and make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything that I've taught you. So our job is to make disciples and we want to always get better at being a disciple making church. So each, each one of us is following Jesus and our calling is to grow in our discipleship to Jesus and pass it on to others. So I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that might be familiar to a lot of you because it's in our cafe. It's our, the heartbeat of this church. The DNA is uh, the passage in Acts chapter two about the early church. Before I read it to you, the in the book of Acts you have Jesus going back to heaven, commissioning his disciples. He said, go wait for me to pour out the spirit in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. There were Jewish people that came from the 70 known nations at the time from around the world, the known world. And they came back to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem. And strategically, Jesus had this all planned. That Peter, they would pour out the Spirit on the disciples. Peter would preach a message where thousands of people gave their lives over to Jesus and to the Gospel. And then they took the Gospel back to their, their nations. The reason they were spread, spread out is when you read the Old Testament, the Jewish people got dispersed from Israel. And they went to, you know, all over places where they got dispersed to. In the mind of God, in the strategy of God, He had it all planned out to do bring the birth of the church and we're still part of just what they were commissioned to here's what it says after this day of pentecost they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I looked down and thought the cap was still on there. Um, could have been bad. Did you catch the word devoted? They devoted themselves to these things. The apostles teaching to scripture, to prayer. They, they devoted themselves to worshiping together, growing spiritually together, taking care of one another, serving together. And they devoted themselves to this mission of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. So from this passage, I see the five purposes of why God created people in the first place. And it's the five purposes of the church. It's the five purposes of novation, of why do we exist as a church, is these five things. And if we're going to have a faith that's growing, we need to be devoted to these five things. Let's dig in. First of all, I need to be devoted to a lifestyle of worship. You need to be devoted to a lifestyle of worship. We were created to worship God. And it's, it's important that when you think about that, as Christy was talking about, worship being a preparation for, you know, for eternity and heaven and all of that, it's, it's now. And God doesn't need our worship in the perfect relationship eternal relationship of the Father, Son, and Spirit, God wanted to share that relationship with human beings as His special creations. We didn't get it. Adam and Eve didn't get it, and we've been botching that whole understanding since, but Jesus came to clear that up. And worship is our avenue of connecting with God. When we adore God, when we pour out our praises to Him, when I live in obedience to Him, when I put Him first in my life, that's what a a lifestyle of worship really boils down to. And it's not if I'm going to worship, it's what or who am I going to worship. In many new homes, they pre-wire houses for sound systems and alarms and this and that, and you just have to Click something and it's on. It's ready to go. Well, we were pre-wired by God to worship. Are we going to give it to Him? Are we going to give it to someone or something else? So two aspects when it comes to a lifestyle of worship. The first one is corporate worship. That's what we're doing this morning. We have corporately come together as individuals to worship Jesus, to fellowship, to connect with Him, to connect with one another. And the writer of Hebrews gives advice, principles about this corporate worship. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That day is the return of Jesus. He says, meet together so you can encourage one another. So that we can stir one another unto good works. Now, let's be honest. When COVID hit in March of 2020 and the shutdowns and quarantines and blah, blah, blah. It, it did some good things for the church. And I would say for us, it helped us get an online presence where if someone can't be at church or they're not there, they can go watch the service rather than just listen to the audio. But it did some damage to a lot of people who got in the habit of not meeting together. And I get it. I was part of Jammy Church for those three months. Weird watching myself preach, drinking coffee and go, ooh, and cringing when I say something bad or whatever. Jammy church is comfy, man. Uh, Bedside Baptist is the biggest mega church in in all of America. Pastor Pillow preaches a soft, nice message. Just tell me more, pastor. And I don't say this because I get it. I, I want to acknowledge this, that If I didn't have to be here or it wasn't my job, I get it. It's sometimes there's things that get in the way and it's just like, eh, I think I'll do something else. Please don't get in the habit of not meeting together. And this isn't about me. This isn't about us. It's about what God has instructed us to do in meeting together. The illustration came to me as I was putting this together. Um, Like if you have a fire, you have a fireplace and picture the fireplace your heart. And then you need for a fire, you need something to burn. We need wood. And that's scripture, the word of God. It creates that, that flame in us and it burns. And the Holy Spirit is the one who lights the match that gets the fire going and keeps the fire going. And then the heat from that fire is our passion. It's our worship. And when a fire gets to its peak you get coals in a fire, right? Anybody, you campers know all about this. You get your coals and they keep things, the fire going, you just keep adding to it. But if you were to take one of those coals out and set it by itself away from the other coals, what happens? It gets cold and it becomes, you know, not useful for fire anymore. Picture that when we remove ourselves from corporate worship home group gathering together and you're over here cooling off and it's just the truth we need each other to stir one another on in worship and this life that beats us down and we got chaos all around us we need to be in the fire together and then we come together and we allow the lord to stir us up paul tells the church in corinth something interesting They, they were arguing about who did they really follow i'm of paul i'm of apollos well i'm of jesus you know and he's he turns around in the middle of their argument as he's correcting them he says don't you know that you yourselves are god's temple and that god's spirit dwells in your midst he says you are when you together corporately are the temple of of god the temple of the, the holy spirit you know at the time There was the temple worship where they would do all the the rituals and things. There was that place of God's sacred space. His sacred presence was in the temple. But now in the new covenant, we are the temple. We are the sacred space of God. We need to think about that. So we come together corporately. We're, We're the temple. And then the Apostle Paul says how to worship he says singing psalms and hymns that's what we were just doing and spiritual songs among yourselves making music to the lord in your heart and give thanks for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ so we have corporate worship but then there's a lifestyle of individual worship and jesus was asked um, what the greatest command was in the hebrew scriptures 613 commands and he quotes this from deuteronomy chapter 6 he says and you must love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and all your strength and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that i'm giving you today so a lifestyle of worship individually is lord take my heart i'm going to worship you i want to i want to follow what you say to do i want my life to be an act of worship that's not perfection None of us are going to be perfect in this. It's the, uh, all of this is always about the disposition of my heart, an attitude of, of my heart. And then Paul says, says this again to the Corinthian church, and the context was having sex uh, out, you know, sexual immorality. And he says, "Don't you realize that your body, individually, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you?" and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. So in chapter 3, it's the corporate gathering. We're God's temple. And individually, we are God's temple. So worship is, Lord, I'm yours. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. And I want to enjoy you. I want to do what you ask of me to do. And I want to adore you. Worship renews your faith and restores your joy. When we, we come to together corporately, and, it, and then we worship and we sing and we express love to God and to one another, it, it uh, renews our faith and restores our joy. So we need to be devoted to a lifestyle of worship. The second thing, if my faith is going to grow, I need to be devoted to practicing the one another's. And the Christian word for that, or the churchy word, is Fellowship. Um, fellowship is practicing the one another's. Fellowship is so much more than watching a game together, eating together, and hanging out. It, fellowship is there's like sixty one another's in the New Testament to love one another, care for one another, be hospitable uh, to one another, and just on and on and on. And so we need to be devoted to coming together, yes, corporately for worship but also in home groups and core groups places where we can express and practice all of these one another's it's just how god grows disciples it's how god calls us to become more and more like jesus to be devoted to that he says in corinthians 12:12 12, 12, the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body so it is with the body of christ so we're as your body has many members it's still just one body. We make up the body of Christ. And then he says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's just one little snippet of practicing the one another's. Um, I've asked Craig and Stacy to, to come up. They oversee our home groups. And I think currently we have six or seven home groups that are that are doing well. But I am not... I'm not ashamed to say that we believe every person should be in a home group. You really should, because we need one another. It it needs to go beyond just Sunday to, and I'm connected with others in in doing life and the the support that comes from from being involved in a home group. So I asked these guys just to kind of share the value. Like, why is this such a value to you guys as well as to what's happening within our home groups? Yeah. Um, well, you, you actually stole my intro. I was going to start with a quiz. So
1: uh, you already know the end of the quiz. So just play along. So <laughs> anyway, if we know God has to say one thing for it to be true and good for us to obey him. What do we do with something that God tells us to do over 60 times? Over 60 times in the New Testament, as Scott said, that we're commanded to do something with or for one another. And I really view home groups as a, as a good and safe place to practice that. Um, you know, that, those one another commands go beyond a home group or a small group, but it, it's just a good place to practice it and uh, make it part of your everyday life so that it transcends into even beyond those small groups. And I wanted to give a couple of examples that we have just from, you know, those uh, small groups here at Novation, where we've we've gotten reports of people who are running uh, errands for one another, something as small as that, to giving people rides to and from doctor's appointments or the emergency room or um, meal trains for people who are in need or they're they're locked up from COVID over the past two years. And... uh, and even in our own life, you know, we were, we were on a trip during the wildfires, and we got a pre-evacuation notice for our home, and we started getting texts, hey, <laughs> who's getting your cat? Is there anything in your house that you want out? Um, stuff like that, just the, the very small, simple, practical one another's that our church is meeting and uh, doing through home group. And I think that it's just really uh, a testament to you all, um, but also to me personally just seeing the value of that through our home group, and it's been really great.
2: And I just wanted to talk about some of those one another's that are really hard to do if you're not in the close fellowship and community that comes from a small group. Because, you know, we're all part of the church. If we need a ride to the hospital, we can call a pastor. Somebody will arrange that for us. Some of the one another's, like, exhorting one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, that can be met here at the church, but it happens regularly, weekly, and even daily when you're in part of a small group versus coming in on a Sunday morning. And yeah, you can come up to the stage and pray or whatever, but when you're in a small group, it's so much easier and more natural, I think, to reach out and to encourage, receive encouragement, pray, be prayed for, all of that, so.
0: Excellent, thank you guys. Appreciate what you do. Unless you think I don't practice what I preach, Janelle and I are in a home group, and we're also each in a core group that meets meets regularly. So, truly is the heartbeat of, of what that Acts church looked like, man. They devoted themselves to Scripture. They devoted themselves to meeting together, community. Um, it says they met together every day. Like, not asking you to do that, but we have phones. We can at least text and and encourage one another. We need that. So thank you, Craig and Stacy, on that. The third thing, if I'm going to grow spiritually, and my faith is going to continue to grow, then I need to be devoted to my own spiritual growth. And the churchy word is discipleship. We devote ourselves to becoming like Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, he said, listen, I've set an example for you to follow. Do what I've told you to do. Do what I've modeled for you how to live and then paul becomes an apostle and a disciple of jesus and he's planting churches and spreading the gospel all over the place and in his letter to the church at corinth he tells them he says follow my example as i follow the example of christ i would tell you this um, the leadership of novation has flaws i have flaws We all do and I would never tell you just because somebody has the title pastor this leader that that you should follow them blindly No, you you follow as people follow Christ If we're following Christ, then we want to be good examples of, of how to follow Jesus I've said this before. I don't believe a pastor is is the shepherd of his flock He's actually just one of the lead sheep saying Hey guys the shepherd's going that way, let's go. And th- that's really the job is to, to be a, uh, realize our own sheepness. <laughs> and when we, when we do that, then we follow the example of Christ. So if we're going to follow the example of Christ, we need to remember that we grow spiritually as we pursue the same priorities and practices as seen in the life of Jesus. That's truly what it means to, to, to follow Jesus. When I read the Gospels and I see something that uh, was a priority to Jesus, I write priority. When I see something that was a, a practice of Jesus, I write the word priority. And it's helped me gather a, a little bit. So first of all, what were the priorities of Jesus? And the priorities of Jesus, first and foremost, was to do the will of the Father. That's what he want. He said, I've come to do the will of my Father. So if we're going to model our lives after Jesus, it's every day, Father, I give you over my will. I give you over my stubborn will sometimes, Lord. And I want to do the will of the Father. That marked the life of Jesus. In John chapter 4, Jesus shares... That he's the messiah with the samaritan woman at the well and she goes back and declares that hey i found the messiah and jesus kind of on this little spiritual high of what had just happened with him in, in his humanness and his disciples come to him and they say lord we need to get you something to eat and he says listen my food is to do the will of my father have come to do everything that he's asked me to do, to complete that mission. I love that. Jesus brought healing to a broken world. Now he calls us to continue that healing in the broken world. So we do that as we grow and follow Jesus. We help others. Secondly, priority of Jesus was caring for people. I mean, you don't have to look very far in the Gospels. People were Jesus's... Priority. And then the kingdom of God. Jesus taught the kingdom of God not to get caught up in the affairs of this world and to be so narrow minded and care so much about this world, but to, he preached the kingdom of God. He taught about the kingdom of God. He demonstrated the kingdom of God with his miracles and love and all the things that he did. So those three things were the priorities of Jesus. He wants that to be that for us as well secondly what were his some of his practices jesus prayed we see him praying to the father jesus always went and got alone with the father before he was getting ready to pour himself out in ministry anybody seen the chosen there was a scene where jesus ministered all day long do you remember that and, and he comes and he's just dog tired and just wants to go to sleep and in his humanity it's such a well illustrated thing of We need to be prayed up before we go get poured out. We need to be refilled. And it's a daily thing. And Jesus models that for us. And then scripture was a priority to Jesus. Jesus knew the scriptures, saw himself in in the scriptures. And so for us, a daily intake into God's word and his promises and the gospel is very important. But then these two are going to throw you for a loop. Jesus practiced being in a small group. So it's not just me or the Burns telling you this. Jesus had 12 people that he poured into. And you know what? He needed them. You might think, oh, he didn't need them. No, he did. In his humanity, he needed the friendship. He needed the support. He needed uh, to show them what he was leaving behind for them. But you know what else? Jesus had a core group. A core group is three or four men or, or women that meet together to go a little bit deeper. Jesus' core group is, is Peter, James, and John. doesn't mean he didn't love the other ones in, that he had called, but in life and in humanity, you can't have 12 people who know all your stuff, all your struggles. You need a small amount. And Jesus modeled that, and that was his practice. So um, core groups at Novation are very organic um, You can't program a core group. It takes trust. It takes time and relationship. But I would encourage you to pursue that. Um, Men, that's our whole goal on Saturdays. That's why we call it Men's Core Breakfast is to develop and and practice some of this core group kind of things. A home group, come see Craig and Stacy afterwards if you're interested in starting a home group or being in a group. They can direct you um, what to do from there fourthly if i'm going to grow my faith then i need to be devoted to serving with my time my talent and my treasure devoted to serving do you know you're never more like jesus than when you're serving someone that can't serve you back or when you're serving and you get nothing in return you just do it cuz it's the right thing to do we have people who come every saturday and clean the church and i'm always so humbled you see someone scrubbing toilets, the floor, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it's just, they're not getting anything out of it, but the joy of doing it, right? <laughs> rubber gloves and all. I mean, you, you get a free pair of rubber gloves if you want to serve, but we, we always need help in these areas. There's, there's that kind of serving as well, but the, um, the Apostle Peter says this. He says, each of you should use whatever gift You have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Time, talent, and treasure are gifts, right? And he says, use it to serve. Use it to to make life better for others. A servant makes life better for somebody. When you serve, you're making life better for somebody. Imagine if husband and wife wake up every day and say, how can I make life better for my spouse? And And it was... You know, not just one sided. But it was that, hey, how can we outserve one another today? That's, that's going to be a good marriage right there. Sizzling marriage right there. <laughs> it's the kind of marriage when you touch them. <laughs> developing, a, a, developing a servant's heart takes time. It's counterintuitive to our sinful flesh. It's counterintuitive to say, yes, I will. Clean that trash, or yes, I will do this without being asked. It's it's it just is counterintuitive. If you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It takes time. And years ago, I read this little book called Humility by a a guy named Andrew Murray. It's a little short read on humility and and developing a servant's heart. And I remember reading at the time, this was like twenty years or more ago, and I remember reading a quote where he said. The humble man or woman, you can know you're developing a humble servant's heart when somebody else is acknowledged for their serving or their gift, and you can celebrate with them when you're not getting any accolades for what you do. That makes sense? I'm kind of butchering that a little bit, but it was, you can see someone else praised and elevated and you don't get praise or elevation. And yet in, in what you do goes unnoticed by others and you still give it to Jesus. That's when a humble humility is being developed. Well, as I read that God gave an opportunity right away, Chris Ingalls, you're going to remember this. He and I served in youth ministry and we invited this Christian contemporary band remember this, Chris, I see you. Yeah, I want, uh, thank you. Um, he's, yeah, that's yes, Chris. Um, we invited this contemporary Christian band to come play a concert at our youth ministry. And Chris and I served all day, set up, got them pizza, ran the AV, did this, did that, and at the end of the night, we were tired. And at the end of the night, they went and thanked everybody for what they had done to put this show on for them. Never acknowledged Chris and I. And we were back in the sound booth going, no, 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 we don't need it. No, no, don't, don't, don't mention it. Inside, we were like, you got to be kidding me. After all this, you didn't even acknowledge us. We didn't even get pizza. Shoot, you ate it all. And, and I remember that quote coming back. Do I have to be acknowledged in order to serve? And it, it really changed the way I, I saw things. So what, it's the funny part about humility is when you think you're humble, you're not humble anymore. <laughs> it's like, I'm humble. No, you're not. You don't get it yet. And then lastly, I need to, to grow my faith. I need to be devoted to sharing and demonstrating the gospel through words and actions share it verbally, declare it, and then we demonstrate it. Paul told a guy named Philemon, he said, I pray that you be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. He says, share your faith. And you'll, the more you share your faith, the more you realize what you have in the gift of Jesus. So share it, But then James, we all know this one, tells us to demonstrate it. He says, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Uh, Most of you know that we just got back from a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Six time our church has taken people to serve the beautiful people of of the DR. And when you go on a short-term mission, you... You're leaving the comforts of home. You're leaving the comforts of an American toilet. (laughs) Hot water, all kinds of things. You're you're leaving behind what you know. You go into a culture where they don't speak your language necessarily. I'm really good at Spanish now, so I feel kind of a translator. Oh, and humble too. and I'm joking on all of that. Um, but you go, and, and there's, a, there's a goal. We were gone for a week. So a short-term mission is, you know it has a, it's going to have a beginning and an end, and then you go back home. I want you today to ponder this. See your life like a short-term mission. This isn't home. that Heaven is home. We are strangers in a strange land. When you go to a foreign country, you feel like a stranger because it's not your world. This isn't our world. Let's, let's don't get so caught up in the things that want to steal our joy and our peace and our faithfulness to Christ. Give it away for the pursuit of things that aren't going to last. So our life is like a short-term mission. It's got a beginning, it's got an end, and there's a job to do. And, and our job to do is to live a lifestyle of worship, to serve, to grow spiritually, and go and, and, and care for one another, and go share the gospel with people and how we live our life. Um, we're going to talk about our trip the last few minutes that we have together um, before we do that. Watch this little video of a little, some snapshots of what we were able to do on our trip and everybody else come up. a great trip. What a great group of people that were able to go on this trip. Many of you have gone in the past, and um, this was a little bit different. He was still working with Kiko, who is our missionary uh, friend and partner that we get to do ministry with. He now works for Handfuls of Hope, and a guy from New Jersey uh, named Don started Handfuls of Hope after going to the Dominican several times, he just fell in love with it. He He lives in New Jersey, but goes down often. They started that school. Handfuls of Hope has a school. Uh, There's so much, like if you're Haitian descent, you might not have a birth certificate. You can't go to school. I mean, there's all kinds of of crazy stuff that goes on in poverty. They're able to give these kids an education, uh, food, and um, really having an impact, teach scripture to them. And um, there's a church now meeting at handfuls of hope, which is having an impact. So it was just really cool to see Kiko and his element, but I chose some, some newbies, some rookies. This was their rookie tour to, to go to the DR to just share, you know, the highlights, a little bit of highlights. I think there's going to be some, some pictures up there for you guys to kind of see as we share who wants to go first.
3: Going into this trip, I, I had no idea what to expect. And Forgive me, go a little higher. Yep. Up, I, I still don't know what to expect. You're good. Um, the, the thing that I was most impressed with was learning the number of people and organizations down there that are, are doing this on a day-to-day basis. That we go down there on a short-term missions trip and hand out food, and, and get to interact with the, the people and the kids of these villages, but, but there are people like Kiko that are doing this on a daily basis. Um, and the best thing that we can really do is support them, because we can't be down there continually. Um, and the, the people themselves were were very inspiring to me, because they, they have very little, and yet their their joy and their happiness is not dependent on their circumstances or their stuff which I think in America we can easily get distracted by that stuff and, and tie our, our joy and our happiness to, to the things that we have and the circumstances that we're in where that just doesn't, isn't an issue for them because when, you, when they grow up not having anything, it's not something that they have to rely on. And I think in a lot of ways that's a
0: blessing for them. Yeah, let me see that real quick. Um, This is Ryan Opeka, by the way. All right. You guys introduce yourself. I've been saying his name wrong for all his life, and I got corrected on the trip. So uh, sorry to your parents as well. Um, Who wants to go next? Yeah, it's about time. It's good discipleship. Um, Shasta has kind of a unique perspective in being part of the medical field, and they do like medical missions through handfuls of hope. But when we went into these villages, you're talking poverty that it's mind-boggling. Trash everywhere and the the, the, the way they live in the villages is so different than that of the city. But
2: Yeah, um, I would say I didn't really know what I was going uh, for. I felt a calling. I felt God really leading me to go on the trip. Again, I didn't know why. I went without my family, and I'm hoping to take them next year or soon after. Um, But there definitely is a lot of medical need Um, there are people that just need food in general Just so they can have nutrition to go out throughout their day Um, and uh, We took care of each other on the medical side as well while we were there Um, But I think it's just uh, it speaks also to the women the children Um, it really was an eye-opening to me of how Young, uh, The girls start to grow up uh, some 12 year olds 13 year olds pregnant Um, And it was very uh, kind of a calling for us to come back because that's in our own neighborhoods, too But knowing they have children in this poverty um, And I don't even know how they're they don't even brush their teeth So how are they having children and how are they taking care of one another? Um, but again, they had such happiness and hope and Community with within each other that I think inspired all of us to come back and continue to take care of one another too um, And I do think we do a good job here and I agree with our home groups I'm in a home group as well and my husband and our kids uh, we love our home group um, and I I just think that it, it's good for all of us to continue to take care of each other.
0: Thank you um, That's Shasta by the way this is this is Katie and it was her first I thought she was in college, and then I found out you're in 10th grade, so I was kind of... 11th grade, never mind, close enough. But anyway, Katie was first time on this, or a trip like this in general, right? And we saw God working, I mean, in everybody, but specifically in your life, and why don't you share with them how you were impacted, and it's okay to cry.
4: Um, Yeah, I'm a very emotional person, so... um... This trip, it's hard to explain everything in just a few, you know, short words. But it really changed my life um, in more th- ways than one. But um, the first day that I went down there, it was really hard to see all the poverty, and um, it was so like real. Like I, I've seen it before, you know, like in movies and stuff. But just seeing the realness of it and how how much of it is everywhere, that was it was really hard. Um, but, throughout the week, I, I saw that these people have stuff that we don't have. Like, they have this peace and this, this tight-knit community in them and this humility, um, which is weird because we were just talking about that. Um, and I, I originally was, my mindset was like, oh yeah, we're going to go down there to teach them about God's Word, which yes, we did. But in a way, they also taught me to have this, this more humble spirit, to not be, like they said, not be attached to the material things that we have in this world. And while I was down there, it felt like I was in, like, a, almost like heaven, because these people had such, like, these humble and um, joyful spirits that, um, you know, like, we have joyful spirits here, but it wasn't, like, tied to any material thing. Um, and so I I really want to go back there just because if not to teach them but also for them to teach me um, because I think they all um, just were an example for us and
0: yeah thank you thank you thank you guys it was quite the trip. And we're going to, Lord willing, when the creek don't rise, continue to offer this trip on a yearly basis. So if you, I think everybody needs to do some sort of cross-cultural ministry. It's, it changes your perspective in such a deep way. Seth and Danielle. Seth and Danielle. Is Shayla in here too? Shayla, come on up here. We're not going to make you say anything. Your dad might, but I'm not. Yeah. Um, Seth and Danielle have been part of the Novation family from day one and been plowing with us and pursuing God's purpose for, for the church. And they have been leading our world mission outreach and the, the trips they lead and do the behind the, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff and the admin and just have a huge heart for seeing the gospel spread beyond you know, just our world here in, in Colorado and beyond, and definitely have sensed a, a calling since you've been going to the DR, and uh, they're getting ready to, to go out on an adventure, and I'm going to have them share a little bit with you, and then we're going to pray over them and bless you guys, and um, so tell us, I know you're leaving Tuesday, what are you getting ready to do, how long are you going to be gone, what are you expecting from the
5: Lord? Yep, Shayla, here you go. <laughs> Let, me, let me say this. Shayla
0: was five the first mission trip we yeah. went on, and she's just powered through. I never heard her complain one time. Maybe you did. I have never heard her complain.
5: Not much. No. She's special. Um, yeah, so Tuesday, we are heading out to Puerto Rico for five weeks. Um, we don't know exactly what we're doing. We're going to be working with a local church down there, um, just trying to get uh, involved in the local community, serving the church. Um, and just uh, we're going to be in prayer the whole time on what's next. We feel a calling to go out into the world, and uh, this is the um, the beginning for us. Yeah.
1: Um, and we know, being here in Colorado, we are blessed beyond belief. Friends, family, material, cars, houses, everything else, and just thinking, why not? If we have the means of going somewhere sharing about Jesus' love to people who maybe don't know him or have maybe a skewed perception. If we have the means, why not? Like, why not go? Why not love on people? Not only does it grow our faith, um, but the next generation and generations to come. So, yeah, if you guys can support us in prayer, we greatly appreciate it, especially with um, all the different restrictions and everything now. So... If you could do that, we'd appreciate it.
0: How do you kind of see this Puerto Rico path? It's a, I think it's a path that you see, we're going to step on this, but down the path, I don't know. We're just I remember, Seth, you told me a couple New Years ago, it was a message I had to do online, and I've talked about, you said, life's short, take risks, and, and you were like, we're doing it. And you guys, it's been brewing in you. So what do you see Puerto Rico, how can we specifically be praying for you guys and what, you know, it's kind of like a scouting trip, right? Lord, what's this going to be like to move our family to a foreign country?
5: That's a tough question. Um, I don't know exactly the answer to that. Um, As far as prayer, just that we would um, carry out what we're there to do, you know. Um, We would be able to... um, feel the prompting of the Spirit when He leads us, and uh, be obedient to that. Um, hopefully we'll work on our Spanish. Not that we're not very good at it, but just kidding, like Scott. <laughs> um, no, that's something. But also, I mean, even getting back to the DR trip, that was a super special trip, and our eyes were open in a whole different way. My uh, my heart was broken in, in a way that, you know, I won't share right now on um, maybe what's going to happen in the future, but This Puerto Rico trip, we've been talking, it might be a launching pad, we might be going back to the DR for a longer period of time and uh, seeing what that looks like.
0: I think the word of the Lord for you guys is this trip to Puerto Rico is like spring training in baseball, (laughs) for whatever, seriously beyond that. I know that was cheesy, but I felt it. So it is, it's training to experience stepping out in faith. So would you guys extend a, a hand towards them? We want to speak faith and life and direction over you guys. You guys have been faithful to this church, to us. Thank you. And, you know, just love watching this unfold. Shayla is, uh, she's not afraid of anything. And she's, you know, can you imagine? She's going to be stepping out in faith for her as well. So we love you guys. Father, thank you for the Woodyards. I thank you for their friendship. I thank you for their example. And we want to speak blessing, favor, open doors. God, help them to hear your voice in, the, in the, the little promptings, the small things. God, I pray for divine appointments as they meet people, as they just put themselves out there to be used of you in this capacity. Lord, uh, provide for them financially all that they need. Uh, you, wherever you guide, you provide, Lord, and we know that. So uh, give them strength and protection physically, spiritually, emotionally. Knit them together as a couple like never before in their marriage, Lord, that they would draw closer to you. And as they do that, they'll draw closer to one another and as a family. Lord, thank you for Shayla and, and her uh, willingness and obedience. What a, what a great example she is to your body. And so, bless her, too, with friends and all kinds of things in this adventure. And we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: Amen.
0: We have a little, yeah.
1: We just got you guys a little gift to say thank
3: you for um, leading our global missions for the last several
1: years. Starting, you know, the the... DR trips and all that will be continued hopefully with you guys involved
0: in some way shape or form whether it's going down to see you there or you rejoining us on trips in the future but uh, flowers didn't feel appropriate since you're leaving the country so uh, lots of little goodies for your trip (laughs) we appreciate you guys thank you guys Thank thank you would you stand with me Let's go from this place with a fresh joy, a fresh choosing joy, choosing faithfulness, and being devoted to the things God wants us to be devoted to that we all grow and we become like Jesus. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and give you His peace this day and forevermore. May you go from this place with a reverence for our father in heaven, a peace in the person of Jesus Christ and a joy in the Holy spirit, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Jesus name. Amen.